This episode is brought to you by DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Why does it feel like such a long time since we've been together? I don't know. I guess it has been a couple of weeks. But we are back. Rebel Force Radio on the air. Coming at you with all the latest Star Wars news. Is there any news or is it all rumors? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll talk about it. All here for this week's show, October 11th, 2013. As always, great to be with you. Glad you could be with us. come together and try to make sense of things and separate the tares from the wheat. That was once said. Uh, what's rumor and what's real news? So introductions in order for those of you who are new to the program. My name is Jason and with me, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Jason, glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back here sitting uh, in the saddle for Rebel Force Radio. It's been a couple weeks since you and me got together to talk about the war, so you obviously have a lot pent up because I know I do. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of things going on. Like you said, Jason, so many rumors. It's getting tiresome. It really is. I want to report the news. I want to report the cold, hard facts. See, I don't even get excited anymore. I saw I saw <laughs> something today about Ben Kingsley auditioning. Or no, Ben Kingsley saying he didn't audition. I'm just like, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, they can go through the audition process all they want. It's not going to matter to us really until these people are signed, sealed and delivered and they're standing in front of the cameras shooting Star Wars Episode 7. Till then, I don't really care and I'm getting tired of it. I am too. You know, I think that, um, you know, I, I liken this a lot to, you know, the Bond films in a way where I, I, what I like about what they do is so you get a, a couple maybe a couple months of rumors and then they do the big press conference they tell you the name of the movie they show you that you know the actors are all sitting there they talk a little bit about it and then they go off and shoot the movie but this is just this never-ending cavalcade and parade of rumor and innuendo and diddy or didn't he or did she or didn't she and there's and you know what i since when are denials when is that news like the, the the Ben Kingsley one, for example, before there was even a rumor that he auditioned, he's out there saying that he didn't audition for Star Wars. You know yeah, what well, I mean? See, I mean, when they say things are spiraling out of control, that's exactly what they mean by it. It's spiraling, and the spiraling has gotten out of control. So I'm really looking forward to getting the official word. We should be hearing some official word about casting here 
in the second half of October or as, <laughs> as we said here on, I mean, <laughs> I'm reminded about when the cable guy says he's going to come out to your house sometime between right. like noon and five. So that huge window, <laughs> I mean, this is the biggest window of all time, but you know, we said back in August that we anticipate getting news about casting for star Wars episode seven after Halloween and before Thanksgiving. So look in that window right there, that month of, uh, you know, late October, early to mid-November, and we should start hearing some things. But until we get there, I mean, because we're getting all excited about rumors from these sources we never even heard of before. So, I mean, just consider about jumping to conclusions and everything. And the other thing that's been thrown out there a lot is uh, the winter release rumor. Um, All I know is that we've heard from... Two sources, Lucasfilm and Disney, saying that it's going to be a summer release. I could point to them right now for you. When they made the announcement about the next Star Wars celebration happening in Anaheim, April 2015, that's opening in conjunction with the release of Star Wars Episode Seven. So if history reminds us of anything, it's the fact that During the prequel area, we saw those Star Wars Celebration conventions happen about a month prior to the film opening properly. The other uh, example of when the film is going to be released, an announcement of such came at D23 when Alan Horn from Disney himself said, Star Wars Episode Seven will see a summer 2015 release. Now, I'm hearing a lot of rumors coming out about November, December, and while they still very well may come true, I can't give any credence to any of these rumors, no matter where they're coming from. And like I said, a lot of times these sources, I never heard of these people. If it doesn't come from Lucasfilm or Disney... Take it with a grain of salt. I don't care how many grains of salt you take it with. <laughs> Just keep in mind that you shouldn't jump to conclusions, and we won't hear on this show. We're here to help you weed through the crap and figure out what has a likelihood of, of becoming real and what doesn't. So we're not going to really be spreading so many rumors, especially on this show. There's a lot of cool, legitimate Star Wars things happening that need our focus and our attention. And that's what we're going to be doing tonight on Rebel Force Radio. Yeah, absolutely. And starting with something that is not a rumor, definitely not a rumor, huge congratulations are in order if you um, are active on Twitter or on Facebook, you may have heard the news, but if not, uh, on behalf of the entire Rebel Force Radio family here, Jimmy Mack and myself, we want to send our biggest and warmest congratulations to Kyle Newman, our brother in the Force, and his lovely wife, Jamie King, or as Jimmy affectionately refers to her, Aura King, (laughs) as they welcomed their newborn baby, James Knight Newman. And that's Knight with a K. Uh, I didn't realize that Kyle was such a uh, Knight Rider fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's what they're going for. (laughs) Jay Knight. Uh, Yeah. Think about it. Jay Knight. Love it. Jay Knight Newman, born on October 6th to, of course, the proud parents. And we have heard from the father that uh, both uh, the baby and mama are doing quite well. So huge congratulations. Uh, But it doesn't stop there. 
It doesn't stop there. We will leave no stone unturned here at Rebel Force Radio just to show the level and the depth of coverage of Star Wars news, both in and outside of the family. We actually have, believe it or not, this is a world exclusive, the very first interview with Jay Knight Newman. We've got him here on the line. This is this is Kyle and Jamie's little boy, James. We've got him on the line here. Oh, hi, James. <laughs> oh, what was that? He's, he's speaking Huttese, apparently. Kyle is raising him to speak Huttese. And... Oh, isn't that cute, Jason? He's he's breathing like Darth Vader. Oh, doing the impressions already. Oh, it might be uh, time for a time for a feeding. That's uncanny. Oh, all right. We we lost the connection there. Well, anyway, uh, we've <laughs> well, you know what we knew with parents like Kyle and Jamie that this uh, young child would be raised a Star Wars fan, and I think there's your first official confirmation that yes, James Knight Newman is a supporter of the wars. We heard some uh, very interesting Jabba impersonations going out. Some Darth Vader breathing. Very authentic sounding. Days old. This is this is incredible. Newborn, stuff. I mean, this is a newborn, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Let's keep that in mind. Right. It's clearly a, a Jedi trait. This kind of uh, gifted. I, the the midichlorian count must be off the charts with those two as the parents. So, I did hear a noise that sounded like a tauntaun, but I don't think that was as much an impersonation as it was time for a changing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. My kids used to make that kind of noise too when uh, the diapers got a little loaded. Believe me, the diapers smell just as bad on the outside as they do on the inside. That's for sure. All right. So, congratulations, Kyle and Jamie. Uh, love to you guys and to young Jay Knight. It's T-shirt time. You don't know the power of the dark side. Do I re- am I reading this right? Do we actually finally have Rebel Force Radio T-shirts? This has been uh, ten months in the making, Jason. Now, technically, Jim, as you'll recall, these were not the very first Rebel Force Radio T-shirts. We had Rebel Force Radio T-shirts posted on our Facebook page within hours of our launching Rebel Force Radio, if you recall. Yeah, uh, Stuart Tullis, Shaz Bazaar, he actually custom made some Rebel Force Radio T-shirts, which were nice. They were good. They were, yeah. they, they were serviceable. But now we got the real deal. We got the authentic, official Rebel Force Radio T-shirt. It's our classic logo, as designed by Star Wars artist Paul Bateman, along with the tagline "Your Source for the Force." It's a, a really strong-looking shirt. We're going to have some great photographs. Our man out in uh, California fashion photographer Gilbert Valenzuela is busy right now as we speak shooting photos of supermodels both male and female thank you fangirls for weighing in and keep in mind me and Jason are very sympathetic to your cause as fangirls we are honorary fangirls in the eyes of her universe's Ashley Eckstein so we had we we even had a big pillow fight at the at the birthday party we did there part of the the slumber party (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, 
And so, you know, we're sympathetic to your cause. We hear our sisters who are saying, why do you guys only take pictures of hot supermodel chicks? We want some dudes wearing these Rebel Force Radio t-shirts too. So uh, me and Jason weren't available. So we got some some supermodels to model the shirts. So be looking for those photos to be showing up pretty soon at shotglassdigital.com and at our official Facebook page. Those shirts will be on sale within a week or two. There's just a few things we have to do to prepare for the, what I expect, onslaught of Rebel Force Radio listeners, loyal RFR listeners who are going to uh, uh, want to wear this shirt, say it loud, say it proud. Just in time for the holidays. Yeah, that's that's the other thing too, Jason. Is it, it makes a great gift. So uh, these are these are really great shirts. So I mean, Paul, everyone knows what kind of talent he is, and the logo just looks so friggin' cool on a t-shirt, and I I can't wait till everyone has the opportunity to pick one up. So, I'm counting on you guys to to sell us out so we can make more shirts and and more merchandise, too. Like, uh, this this logo would look great on a uh, a shot glass, maybe, or a coffee mug. So, uh, look for the Rebel Force Radio t-shirts coming your way very soon. You've gone behind the scenes of Star Wars and deep inside the Empire Strikes Back. Now, witness the building of the third blockbuster in cinema's most legendary saga. Only one book is your ultimate behind-the-scenes pass to the making of Star Wars Return of the Jedi. All right, uh, have you seen the making of Return of the Jedi book, the big one? I have it. I have it. And I see when I get these books... They're intimidating to me at first. Mm -hmm. It takes me sometimes a while to even like crack the cover because it has to be the perfect circumstance where I won't get interrupted, where I know I'll be able to spend maybe an hour or two of quality time delving into this book because once again, Rinsler has knocked it out of the park. This is a great looking book and I did get a copy and I did look at the first few pages of it. I might have flipped through... Maybe the first, how many pages are in the book? About 300. Yeah. I might have gone through the first like 280. So I couldn't stop. I just started looking at <laughs> I, I was like, ooh, there's some Macquarie artwork I've never seen before. Wow, there's a picture from the set I've well, never that's seen. Well, really, that's really what's amazing about these books. And it's certainly no exception. I mean, this one is a little more near and dear to my heart because uh, of, of, of it being the first film that I actually saw. Um, so Return of the Jedi is definitely special to me. But and and it was at a time when I remember actually getting the the making of magazine that was on newsstands, the making of you know anything I could get my hands on uh, behind the scenes. And what's incredible is, despite hours of footage that we've seen on you know VHSs and Blu-rays and DVDs, these books, these Rensler making of books, still managed to pull out stuff, and not just a little bit, a lot of stuff that you have never ever seen before. That's well, what's course, incredible. You know, Jonathan Rinsler has unprecedented access to the Lucasfilm archives. He, I think he has his own key where he can just let himself in and Probably. rummage. And he's gone through everything. He's left no stone unturned. And he's found some really incredible pieces of history. And what's great about this book is it then organizes all that history and puts it all there right 
on your lap where you can flip pages and go through the process. And that was going on in Lucas's mind and, you know, guys like uh, Howard Kazanjian and Richard Marquand and everyone who worked on the film as they were developing the end game for these characters that have become so classic and they were just classic characters at that time too. You know, history has been very kind to star Wars. We know that, but you forget that back then those characters and those situations in those films had as much relevance, if not more to film goers than they do now. And that's where it all started. So to get in their mind as they're trying to think of how they can wrap this all up, for that time, uh, it, it, it's just it's a fantastic, fantastic resource. And if you're familiar with the making of Star Wars or making of Empire Strikes Back books, this book, Making of Return of the Jedi, definitely follows the the quality and standards that have been set in place by the two previous books, which, in fact, I reread leading up to this release. So now I'm ready to just dive in and just get into it and read from cover to cover, and that's going to be my fall assignment. So, uh, yeah, I, I like to give myself little Star Wars reading assignments. Just three or 400 pages is all. But, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those books, too, where you can just sort of pick it up at any point and just – flip and you know open it and just take off from there it, it's 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 that um rich every single page there's something interesting jumping off of it but i'll tell you what i'm really excited about is for those of you out there that are into ebooks uh on uh looks like october 22nd there's going to be a 372 pages by the way there's going to be a release, a re-release of the making of Star Wars, the making of Empire, and the making of Return of the Jedi as eBooks. In fact, these are made specifically for iBooks. So, if you're on the uh, the iOS platform with your iPad, what's really cool about this is it's everything that's in the regular print edition, but there's clickable video embedded in it. There's clickable audio embedded in it. There's a, a half hour of rare behind-the-scenes video, uh, 20 minutes of rare audio interviews with cast and crew, photos that were not seen in the print edition. So, and um, they're they're retailing, you know, here in the uh, iBook store for seventeen ninety nine. So it's a little bit cheaper actually than uh, than buying the the hardback version, and you can have them all with you right on your iPad. So I'm gonna definitely be uh, picking those up when they're available here in the next couple of weeks, um, because I find that I read a lot more um, when I have it on my iPad because I have it with me all the time. So it's definitely not a replacement for having the big coffee table version, but uh, it's you know you, you know that's that's the one to kind of show. And the one to really root through and maybe take some notes and uh, live through is the uh, maybe the digital version. So if you're into that, uh, you have to check that out. I'll have a review of those in the coming weeks. Oh, I can't wait. You know, speaking of those uh, digital ebooks, I was communicating last week online with Star Wars Delray editor Eris Chernovice, and he tells me that these enhanced ebooks. Mm-hmm. Tons of behind-the-scene footage that you've never seen before, mm-hmm. and in Erish's own words, it's really exciting to see fresh Star Wars stuff after all this time. Wow. You, know, you think you know these films, but 
these these ebooks are really going to much in a way. Remember those great CD ROMs that came out prequel time? Called, oh yeah. What was the name of those? They were fantastic. I must have spent hours and hours looking at them. And uh, yeah, the names of them are escaping me right now. But the, it was the first place I ever saw the Biggs footage, the anchorhead footage from A New Hope that had always be, been left in the vaults for years and years. And we only heard rumors of it. And we knew what we knew of it from things like the novelization, the Marvel Comics adaptation, pictures in the Star Wars storybook trading cards, but we never got to see the footage. And some 20-something years later, they released these great CD-ROMs Beyond the Magic, I think they were called. Star Wars Beyond the Magic or Behind the Magic. Yeah, I think it was uh, Behind the Magic, something like that. Yeah, uh, it was was huge at the time because all that really existed was, you know, bootleg versions of that footage. So to actually have it released, you know, in an official capacity from Lucasfilm was was pretty incredible. There is something that I, Jim, I don't know about you, but I started flipping through in the uh, Making of Jedi book, and I came across this incredible transcript of a uh, script conference between Kasdan, Marquand, and Lucas, where they're really mapping out the, hashing out a lot of the major story elements of the film, and they're deciding the fates of these characters. And so it really, I mean, was a collaborative thing right down to the, to the last minute with uh, Marquand, Kasdan, and Lucas. And, you know, what showed up finally on the screen is much, much different than some of the things they were talking about. So that's a really, really compelling piece in the book. Um, and uh, so I just, I can't say enough about it. I, I, I too... Um, I'm a big fan of these. And just when you think, oh, another making of Star Wars, come on, haven't we seen it all? <laughs> no, no way. We have not seen it all. Yeah, so, I mean, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff in that enhanced ebook as well. And uh, for those who are collectors or who are probably yelling at their iPods right now, yes, the CD-ROM was called Star Wars Behind the Magic, released in 1998 by LucasArts. And... Uh, as it says in the Wikipedia entry, the most celebrated feature behind the music is its inclusion of several deleted scenes from Star Wars Episode Four. Among those is the Anchorhead story, which includes the famous big scene. And Jason, you say you saw that on bootleg. I never, ever saw that footage until I popped in that CD-ROM. And I was active at comic conventions and whatnot. I never saw a bootleg version of the Anchorhead scene. I I distinctly remember being at a comic book convention and seeing a black and white, I, I don't know if it was a black and white TV or what it was, showing a very grainy, snowy, uh, bootleg of that sequence. Wow. I never came Back across. in the, uh, I'd say this would be the early, ni- late 80s, early 90s. When did that D- the CD-ROM come out? 98. 98. Yeah, this would have been about 10 years before that. I'm going to follow up with Paul Bateman because he and I were sniffing around the same resources back in those years looking for Star Wars stuff. I'm curious to know if he actually had seen bootleg footage of the Anchorhead sequence with Biggs. Because I just never recall seeing that. Hmm. But if you say you saw it, then it was out there. Or I dreamt it. (laughs) You may have dreamt it. (laughs) Could have done that. Of course, you know, growing up in that era of the 70s, 
there were a lot of kids who would say that they were in a theater and they saw that big footage. Still to this day, I have some friends of mine who swear that they saw this footage in a theater. And I'd have to say, well, no, you know, maybe you remember the Marvel comics or the radio drama. Didn't, didn't it make the, um, didn't elements of it make, what was the thing that wasn't a Viewmaster, but it was like a Viewmaster. He had the big, cartridge that you shoved in and you spun the, 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 the you cranked the thing on the side and you could watch you know clips of star wars like that you know what i'm talking about yeah 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 the, it was a, a kenner product yeah uh, yeah not a Viewmaster because Viewmasters are still footage right uh, still photos but this was actual where you would actually see a sequence from the film i i recall seeing that stuff at like a toys r us or a child castle or <laughs> but why but 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 wasn't there wasn't part of that scene released like that Wow, that is a good question and something I can't research because I don't actually own that thing. Okay, what Jason is talking about, it was this blue plastic uh, thing. It it, it almost looked like a a movie camera. It had a handle. Mm -hmm. You would hold it and it had a viewfinder and you would put that up to your eye. And then there was a crank on the side, a white crank. You would pop in this red cassette (laughs) and... Yeah. You, you you snap it in there. It would snap in, mm-hmm. and then you would crank the the white crank on the side. You would spin that, and you'd look through the hole, and you would see silent footage from Star Wars. Yeah. And there was a bunch of other topics and films, and I think there were a lot of Disney films that you could yes watch. yes. Uh, right. um, yeah. And again, the name is escaping me on that one too, but. Uh, uh, th- that was uh, yeah, that was that was pretty popular back then. It was. It was. It. I think it was related to the Viewmaster, as in it was like a a sister product, because I think it, w- it was also made by the same company. Yeah, Kenner uh, made it. Yeah, yeah. It was only a Kenner product, um, and and you would see it in those old catalogs that would come in the vintage toys. Like you'd buy the Creature Cantina, and there would be an eight or ten page Kenner catalog. Featuring all the new Star Wars stuff. A lot of times, that's how you would learn about what was coming out. It's exactly how you would learn. There was no In internet. Fact, there was no yakface.com. There was. I, I, you know, you just brought back some memories because I have a distinct memory of standing in a KB toy store and opening. I don't. I. I can't even remember what vehicle it was because the catalogs usually came in like with the bigger playsets or the vehicles. And slicing open that tape so I could slip my hand in and pull out one of the catalogs to sit there and look and see what was coming. We didn't have the internet back then. That was our internet. <laughs> you just had tiny fingers yes. that pull paper through small cardboard boxes. Yeah. So, so that's why whenever I would buy that stuff or get it as a gift, that damn catalog was always missing. No, now, I did. No, honor, uh, honor system. I did slide the catalog back in. I didn't actually rip it off, but I, I wanted to see, and I knew that. Oh, if this was, you know, the newer the product on the shelf, you knew you got a really new catalog in there with some stuff that you hadn't seen. So, that's what we had to do back in the day. Yeah, but um. Yeah, maybe we can get some answers on our Facebook page of uh, about this Biggs footage and and um, how it may have gotten out and if it was available as a bootleg. But boy, I, I swear I have a memory 
of some of that being um, out on that Viewmaster thing or whatever it was called. But I could be wrong. You know, it's funny when you think about what we went through before we you know, really had real home video at home. Um, uh, you know, we, we would, we would, the comic adaptation was one way. The novelization was another way. The read along books with the records, uh, was another way. But I mean, what we would have to do to try to, you know, relive the magic of these films in our bedrooms and in our living rooms before you could just, you know, now, my God, you've got home media that's better than what you get to see in the theater. It's incredible. Yeah. But and we it didn't all, have it that. It comes out within four months of the film opening in the theater. Mm. Boy, I can't find the name of that uh, that device. I looked under Viewmaster. I'm looking at a bunch of images here, but I'm just not seeing that thing. I, I wish. I mean, I just don't even know how to search for it. Get Sansweet on the phone. Steve would be able to tell us exactly what it is and whether or not it has the... Uh, Star Wars movie viewer. Hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Movie I, viewer. Here it is. Here it is. I've got to start. This is, uh, oh, yeah. This is on uh, retrothing.com. Uh, Star Wars hit this. Let's see. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yep. yep. Did it. you see it? Star Wars movie viewer? You know what? I'm, I'm on Google Images, so I just punched in vintage Star Wars movie viewer, and there it is. And it, it's exactly as yep. I described it because I remember <laughs> it so well. The red cartridge, the blue camera, and the white tourney crank. Now, I'm wait a so- minute. I'm, I'm seeing, is this a commercial on YouTube for this? Maybe this is actually one of the projected... Hold on a second. Let's see what this is. I got movie viewer. Oh, he's he's reviewing it. Give a show projector. So let's take a closer look at each of these in greater detail this, and go from there. The okay, Star so Wars give a show projector. Now, do you remember that? The give yes, a show projector. But what we're talking about is is the Star Wars movie cassette right. color Give-away. show. Right, let's That's see. What the box says. I'm looking at the box right okay, now. Okay, here he goes. This is the guy reviewing this. There's some some oxidization. Alright, this is the, the one with the crank. Um oh yeah, here we go. Cartridges that you can get and you can buy them separately. And you have this viewer. The viewer itself has, has got this this uh thing you turn here, you spin here. Oh, this thing was so archaic. Right uh, and you can <laughs> plug in the cartridge like so. Do you remember the, the sound of that and snap in the cartridge? A movie, and it's gonna be kind of hard to see, but I'm just trying to attempt to to film the inside, so at least you can kind of get an idea of how it works. Uh, it's- Let's see. He's gonna try to film the inside. Let me see how he does. What scene is this? Oh, this is the uh, the raid on the Death Star. Oh my gosh! Boy, I remember it being a lot cooler than that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so look at uh, this is a fun. So there's actually a cool review here. If you do, if you uh, search on YouTube for the vintage Star Wars give a show project, we can post that on our Facebook page. No, this is what we're looking for is the Star Wars movie cassette color show. That's what it's called. And I'm seeing. Uh, I'm well, seeing- he's, he's reviewing both of them in this video. I see one here going uh, on eBay right now for 25 bucks. Vintage Star Wars movie viewer and cassettes. The cassette is titled May the Force Be With You. Yep. There were other cassettes. Uh, Danger at the Cantina, Destroy the Death Star, Battle in Hyperspace. Well, that's not canon. Everyone knows they never got in a battle in the hyperspace. 
So I wonder if uh, no, I, I, boy. I'm not seeing anything that I mean. I'd, one is just called "May the Force Be With You." Right, right. So that doesn't indicate movie exactly. cassette colors. But I'll tell you what: you can get one loose on eBay with the one cassette for twenty five bucks. Well, I'm sure. looking at one on eBay right now. This is you can get the cassette in the box. Danger at the cantina for thirty bucks. Buy it now. So what do you think? But I mean, that's not the. That's just the cassette. That's just the cassette, right? Indeed, that's right. the movie yeah. viewer. You're right. Well, you right, right. Uh, now here's one. Um, Enjoy know. the color show. Here's the movie viewer in the box. Oh boy, for one hundred and thirty-six bucks. You know, a lot of this vintage stuff in the box. <laughs> I mean, really, when you think about the price of collectibles being. Uh, you know, coming out nowadays, a lot of this stuff on eBay is just a great bargain. If you're, you uh, know, well, captured. God, you're right. I mean, there Kenner's or Hasbro, Kenner. I wish those were the days. Hasbro is releasing, uh, you know, adats that you can buy at the store right now for one hundred and thirty-six dollars. So you know, you, you get a piece of history with this stuff, right, and right. You know, uh, when once you start playing with it, it kind of puts you in that time machine, and takes you back to that. Time when, yeah, we didn't have the VCRs and the, and the, the Blu-rays in my day. In my day, that's the way it was, and we liked it. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. I have a confession to make. I sat down to review the, uh, the show notes for this week's show uh-huh. earlier today. And I see Star Wars Rebels teaser. And I didn't know anything about this. If you could imagine. We're recording this on a Wednesday night. This thing apparently was released on Monday. I didn't know anything about it. I'm out of it for a little while and people get delusions of Star Wars Rebels. So I'm actually, if you don't mind, Jim, indulging me. I'm going to watch this for the very first time here live on the show. Is that okay? Yeah, hey, it's fine with me. I, I knew it was coming, so I was ready for it. But this debuted last Monday night on Disney XD. It's a teaser for Star Wars Rebels. Just to let you know that they're working on it and it's going to be coming your way. At first, I thought it was just going to be some concept art and the logo that we saw revealed at Star Wars Celebration Europe. But uh found out pretty quickly that... It was going to be something new and something cool. And after watching it, Jason, I'd like to hear what you think. Right. Is it something cool? Right, I'm going to play it right now at StarWars.com. To battle the Empire, a rebel alliance will form. The Jedi will rise, and you will know the power of the Force. Star Wars Rebels, coming in 2014 to Disney XD. That's it. That's it, huh? That's it, my friend. So what did you think? I, visually, it's pretty fantastic. Uh, what you see is the what looks like the iconic opening of uh, Episode 4 with the Star Destroyer overhead and the what appears to be a desert planet, maybe Tatooine, um, the, des- the, the, the planetscape underneath. I, I, the thing that threw me off at first was the voiceover. I'm not a real fan. I hope we don't know who that is. Form. The Jedi will rise, and you will know the power of... I don't know. Not, I, I'm not digging that voiceover. 
But everything else is, looks amazing. It looks a lot like Clone Wars to me. Now, I mean, I'm not seeing much, right? We're seeing the ship and we're seeing the planetscape. But, you know, it it has more of that 3D look to it. And I thought, I don't know why I thought this, but I just sort of assumed that this was going to be a little bit closer to, um, you know, your standard 2D animation. But I, maybe I was mistaken. Did we know that this was going to be 3D? Well, that style? well, knowing that Joel Aaron is involved in the production of it and, you know, he was the CG supervisor and the man in charge of all the lighting for Star Wars The Clone Wars, it would seem, you know, you'd think, well, yeah, they're, they're going to go that route. But I um, have always been led to believe that it's going to be more of a uh, – uh, um, how would you describe the uh, – more of the old style school of animation, you know, uh, a two D, what they would call two D, more traditional individual, animation. Individual, individual like cells. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Right. Obviously, no one is hand painting cells anymore, but I think it's going to be that, but up a up a rung or two, just because mm-hmm. of the incredible talent involved with the show. Yeah. And well, you know what? Uh, to me, that presents a lot of optimism because. The thing that occasionally would limit a show like Star Wars, The Clone Wars, was the technology involved with it, where they'd say, well, we, we wish we could do that, but we don't have the proper models to do that. And, you know, remember, it took about five years for them to properly start uh, populating environments as right. you're used to seeing it in right. Star Wars. When, when Clone Wars first started out, you'd notice that the, the environments were very sparsely populated because they didn't have all like the Tatooine. Exactly. Um, but sparsely populated when, they, when they got toward the end of the run, you would see yeah. it's like Mandalore. Yeah, and- I remember the first time that we saw the, the cantina or a cantina in, um, in, uh, in the clone wars. And Jim, I remember your feedback was, you know, it looked cool, but it just looked so barren. Nobody was there. Nobody was home. If, and I can tell you how you can compare these now that uh, all the, the episodes for Clone Wars are going to be made available on disc. Uh, season 5 comes out next week on Blu-ray and DVD. Um, take a look at those Baron Papanoida episodes. In one of those episodes, they visit the cantina on Moss Eisley. I think it's Greedo who's there. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's been a while. But, I mean, there's, like, no one in the house. No. While the it does look like the cantina, seeing no one in there after being used to seeing it during happy hour, apparently, <laughs> yeah. in episode four, it just looked weird. Right. However, then fast forward to the Asajj Ventress episodes when uh, she's teamed up with Boba Fett in season four. And they're in the cantina again. And uh, she's hanging out there, and uh, it looks like they 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 got their uh, their their uh, crew back. Their uh, their customers have returned, and it's it's much more populated and has more of that Star Wars feel. And that's kind of important as uh, you move forward into this new series. That's going to essentially bridge the two trilogies. Mm-hmm. Will they bridge the trilogies as much as they will provide a launching pad for the original trilogy? I don't know. I tend to think that uh, a lot of 
things that happened in the Clone Wars and the prequels are not going to be a factor in Star Wars Rebels or Episode 7 for that matter. I think that they're just going to move forward in the timeline and not look for that kind of crossover so much. But a lot of people on Facebook are talking about this trailer. And Jason, uh, uh, I, I, I see a lot of feedback here on our page. I just want to read a couple things. Sure. Uh, Nathan agrees with you and says the voiceover was bad. Uh, the show looks cool, but he believes that uh, he says, if I recall, Clone Wars trailers and teasers were pretty bad as well. Uh, I don't, I don't, no, I don't think that, that at all. I, I in fact, I, I, I don't, um, I can't think of one that I was disappointed. I, I always thought that, it, I, in fact, you know, in the early days of the series, Jim, in the first couple of seasons when we were, you know, we had some gripes and some frustrations with the series i recall saying well of course the trailer's great the trailers are always great but then we got to wait half a season to get to anything good um so no i i always remember the i remember the trailers for clone wars very fondly yeah they were fantastic when i think back to them the introduction of the mandalorians mm-hmm. in that trailer and a lot of times the classic john williams music would be right. incorporated and rise of the bounty hunters yeah, great stuff. And the the Savage uh, Night Sisters trilogy had a great trailer leading into that season. And uh, I just recall screenings at conventions like Star Wars Celebration, where I I, I think the room was buzzing watching that sort of footage in the trailers. So um, no, no, the, I, the, I the voiceover for this was just that typical Disney Channel puker kind. Of, Jim, that's what we called him. I don't know if you called him that uh, in yeah, Chicago. Star Wars, Rebels, uh, you know, that whole thing. It's just like, oh, eh. sure, sure. It, I'm, but I'm it guilty as charged at times, you know. No, you've never puked into a microphone. Oh, God, yes. Life. You should hear some of my motorcycle shop commercials. <laughs> but that is the, let's say, the imaging of the, the, the Disney XD station and that brand. Right, right. I, for one, was really excited to see this teaser because, and let's be careful not to really call it a trailer because all it is is really just a quick little tease. But um, I was really excited to it because of the the feelings and the emotions that that scene brings back from Star Wars Episode Four with the Star Destroyer flying straight overhead. Now, granted, in this teaser. We're seeing it animated, animated so well, and it looks kind of like Tatooine, but if you look at the surface, it, it might be more of a Coruscant surface because of the the circular design kind of pattern that you see in the planet from the atmosphere, but it just elicits such a response from my core my my Star Wars fan core yeah. because that is a sequence that kickstarted my Star Wars fandom was seeing that Star Destroyer flying overhead in pursuit of the Corellian Corvette at the beginning of Episode Four. Every audience member in the world in 1977 knew they were in for something different. When that happened, it seemed like that Star Destroyer never ever ended, and to get that to elicit that sort of response that takes me back to 1977 Jimmy Mac is something that I think is a great move and I think that it's a message being sent from the creators of Star Wars Rebels saying this is the type of emotional response we're trying to bring out of you we want you 
to think about the original trilogy when you watch Star Wars Rebels. We want to put you back in that era of the original classic Star Wars trilogy. The, 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 the holy trilogy. And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. And that's what I want on this show. And that's what I want from Disney moving forward. Am I someone who says, let's ignore the prequels and throw them away? Heck no. I've loved the prequels for years and years and years. But let's face it, since 1999, for the last 14 years, the focus has been on the prequel era. And that is a far longer period of time than was ever focused on the original trilogy era, which during its classic period happened from 1977 to 1985. If you want to be a little liberal. No, no, no you're right. No, I think you're absolutely right. That's an eight year yeah. period, an eight year period devoted to the development of the original trilogy era. Then stalemate, dark times, Nothing happens, essentially until, well, you know, the the special edition release definitely uh, was, uh, you know, something very focused in the original trilogy era. But really, the the goal was facing forward. It was just to to lead you into the prequel era. By the time the special edition came out, definitely all gears were – rocking and rolling on the prequels as far as a Lucasfilm standpoint goes. Well, and keep in mind, too, the the special editions were in in some ways a testing ground for some of the technology that they were uh, going to employ with the prequels. Uh, Some of it was uh, fundraising, in a sense. Um, Some of it was just to whet the appetite, to gauge the interest of the public. But you're right, Jim. By the time we get to the... uh, the latter part of the 1990s, 1997, with those uh, special edition releases, all all eyes were on the, the future, which at the time was the past, was the prequels. Right. And so really from 97 up until the end of Clone Wars last year, it's been all about the prequel era. It's You're all right. about the prequel era. So I'm actually excited for a cleansing of the palate and for the old to become new again. And to get ourselves back into that original trilogy vibe, I've always wanted to see a Star Wars animated series based in the original trilogy era. And it looks like we're going to be getting it with Star Wars Rebels, where I think that the focus, the emphasis of the show is going to be more on original trilogy stuff. And I know everyone wants to see resolution for things like Ahsoka Tano and Captain Rex and Hondo Onaka and everything. And there there might be room for that in this series. But I think coming right out of the gate, the connection is going to be more of it's going to strike the original trilogy nerve in your fandom more so than the prequel nerve. And we become so used to and conditioned to the prequel era that – it's become normal for us as Star Wars fans to accept the prequel era as current day Star Wars. Well, let's go back to the original trilogy and expand on that mythology. The mythology that made Star Wars what it is all comes from the original trilogy. So I'm looking forward to something of a reset and a refocus and taking the old and making it new again. That really makes me happy as a longtime Star Wars fan. 
And apparently the uh, auditions, not just for the uh, sequel trilogy, episode 7, 8, and 9, but there are auditions going on for Star Wars Rebels. In fact, uh, loyal RFR listener Bob from Ohio, where all good Star Wars fans are from, said that um, Deanna Troy... You know her better as, uh, well, you know her as Deanna Troy. Actually, her real name's Marina Sirtis. You remember, you, you remember back in your Star Trek TNG days, right, Jim? Oh, Counselor let me tell you Troy? what. She was, uh, she was a favorite of mine back then, and I'll tell you what, seeing her on stage at comic conventions nowadays, she's, uh, she's 58 years old. I looked it up today. She's 58. Because you know what? She is still absolutely stunning. And, uh, you know, is, could you consider her to be on the road to becoming the Carrie Fisher of the Star Trek franchise <laughs> in the way that she operates at these conventions? She's very open. Really? She's very funny, almost like a stand-up comedian kind of funny. Um, she still plays on her sex appeal. Yeah. Uh, she's um, been someone who has ridden the roller coaster with the particular franchise she's a part of and has finally come to embrace it. Uh, I don't think she ever was really too standoffish. I just think there were, there were a lot of personal things going on in Carrie Fisher's life that, that, that made just her basic existence as a Hollywood icon difficult for her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't think Marina Sirtis has gone through anything like what Carrie Fisher has gone through, but I think as she, ages gracefully. She is becoming more bombastic, more in your face, and more uh, blunt about her career working in that franchise. And that, to me, makes me feel like she's the Carrie Fisher of the Star Trek franchise. Well, we've got a clip of her at the Cincinnati Comic Expo where she actually talked about auditioning for Star Wars Rebels. Actually, Greg called me. Actually, he couldn't call me directly because when you're hiring somebody or trying to hire somebody, you have to go through their agent. So I got a call from my voiceover agent saying, you have a voiceover audition like tomorrow, and I couldn't make it for some reason or other. So I didn't go in. And to be honest, I'm not really that bothered when I miss a voiceover audition because they don't pay that well. And I don't enjoy it as much as proper acting, like, you know, on-screen acting. Um, so I didn't think twice until I saw Greg at a convention and he said, oh, I'm really sad you didn't come in for that. I said, so what is it for? It was for the Star Wars series. (laughs) Can you imagine the line at conventions if I was in both franchises? There's more, yeah, but I won't be, but that would have been kind of cool to be, it's got, what is it, Star Trek, Star Wars Rebels, I think it's called, the new animated series, and Greg's in charge of that, but I'm sure something will come up for me along the line, but that would have been like a recurring or a regular power. Wow, so, uh, Counselor See, of Troy. course, talking about executive producer Greg Weissman, who is working alongside uh, Dave Filoni. Right. And, uh and uh, who else is working on this show? Oh, Simon Kimberg, of right, course. Kinberg. So there, there's your uh, trilogy of executive <laughs> producers. And uh, yeah, Greg Weissman worked with Marina Sirtis on his previous project, which was called Gargoyles. Um, 
Young Justice and Gargoyles. She does say Gargoyles, too. But she also worked with him on the uh, Young Justice. Young Justice. That's right. I forgot she was a voice actress in that as well. Um, So anyway, yeah, it sounds like she has a great sense of humor. I've not seen her at a show. I've seen uh, Frakes and I've seen Stuart. Um, I've not seen Marina Sirtis, but um, I believe that comes from YouTube. So you can see that clip on YouTube. But uh, of all auditions to miss, Star Wars Rebels? But that's how it works in the business. She obviously didn't know at the time when she turned down, you know, I just, I can't make this audition. She didn't ask what it is first. She just said, no, I can't make it. Then she finds out later from Weissman that it's uh, Star Wars Rebels. And she said it was a recurring, regular character, a recurring character at least. So. Uh, you know, they're still, you know, working on it, obviously, from a production standpoint. Oh, absolutely. We're starting to hear some uh, casting news. I mean, not even news, but this is rumors. And this is kind of a rumor that I can get behind a little bit because it was Hollywood Reporter uh, that uh, announced some possible casting for Star Wars Rebels. And one of the names would be familiar to Scooby-Doo fans, especially that of the live-action films. Freddie Prince Jr., you know, Chico and the Manson. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's said to have a big role in Star Wars Rebels. And from what we know of Freddie Prince Jr., he is a big Star Wars fan. And I can uh, say that here at Rebel Force Radio, uh, before that story hit Hollywood Reporter, we were hearing the exact same thing behind the scenes. So that's a, that's a rumor I could get behind is mm-hmm. Freddie Prince Jr. is going to be in Star Wars Rebels. And there were a few other names mentioned too. Uh, an actor from uh, Red Tails, um, David, 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 how do you say your last name, David? Oyolo. <laughs> What a weak attempt. Um, but uh, there, there were a, a few other actors that were uh, also named in the same article at HollywoodReporter.com um, that are going to be involved in Star Wars Rebels. So we might not know their names now, but I think a year from now uh, we'll know uh, everyone and uh, hopefully we'll be hearing from them directly here on Rebel Force Radio. Yeah, I can see why you uh, had a trouble with that name. That's rough. What is his name? David. <laughs> he was fabulous in Red Tails. I can well, tell anyway, you. Anyway, uh, David from Red Tails, Vanessa Marshall, uh, Taylor Gray, and Stephen J. Bloom. Uh, apparently, all of those names are actually uh, going to make their debut, according to this, in Star Wars Rebels as characters in the series. So we'll find out. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah, this, uh, the uh, David is in uh, this movie. The, the, it was a, a big hit, unexpectedly, I think. Uh, Oprah's movie, The Butler. It's also rumored that he's going to be cast in Star Wars Episode Seven, and his character will tie into the character from Star Wars Rebels. Again, all rumors, nothing confirmed. What's this? What? Oh! <laughs> You know what was just delivered to me? Oh, my God. This is awesome. Mad Magazine number 196 from January 1978. That's right. The original Mad Magazine featuring their Star Wars Episode Four adaptation. I'm looking at the cover right now with 
Darth Vader being played by Alfred E. Newman. <laughs> and here it is. Wow, this this magazine is in great shape. I knew um my friend uh my friend dropped it off for me. He said he was cleaning out his uh, attic and he found a box of comics and he found this Mad magazine and there it is. There you go. The the Mad adaptation Star Roars. Star Roars. <laughs> Featuring uh, Princess Laid Up. <laughs> and uh, what do they call Darth Vader in this? Zader. Zader. That's all they. It just says Zader. Hmm. Zader. Probably like Dark Zader or something. Um, there's the droids. Oh, God. This is awesome. This is, Yeah, my friend John Dykes dropped this off for me. I guess this was in the. And the, uh, I think I met him, didn't I? John, you may have. I met him when we were out at uh, oh, this the Palatial McInerney Estate there. This is awesome. Yeah, I think he did stop by. He so cool. By. Yes, Mad Magazine. 60 cents. Cheap. You know, Mad Magazine <laughs> nowadays, it's like three pages and it's eight bucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cheap. And they, they still put cheap on the front cover. Right. I'll be like, no, I'll be the one who's cheap. I'm not buying your magazine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Marina Sirtis was talking about being the, uh, you know, the, the lines at conventions. Imagine if she was associated with both franchises. But there actually are other alum from the Star Trek universe that are encroaching into the world of Star Wars, including the director of the next film, J.J. Abrams, who was recently on an episode of the Tavis Smiley Show. That's on PBS. And um, Tavis is a big Star Trek fan, so I'm sure he was really excited to get uh, J.J. On the, in the, on the couch there to talk about Star Trek. But, of course, anywhere J.J. goes, the subject of Star Wars inevitably follows. So here's a clip from J.J.'s recent appearance with uh, Tavis Smiley. The Trekkies think you've abandoned them. That's crazy. And I would, I would say this, that, that uh, as someone who has become, you know, a uh, late in life Trekkie, mm-hmm. uh, I really think there's, there's obviously room for both of these things. Right. And it's funny because Star Trek in some ways, you know, informed Star Wars. And when we did Star Trek, uh, my love of Star Wars, the energy of it, the sort of comedy and rhythm of it, I think affected Star Trek. Uh, they're such different worlds though the the stories the characters the universes one is sort of our future much mm-hmm. more sort of science based in, in theory and star wars is like a fairy tale that happens to take place in space it's a it's, they're a very different beast so, so speaking of fairy tale know. speaking of fairy tale though there are those as i'm sure you already know who are worried that it's going to get disneyfied yeah i, I gotta say the beauty of there is that disney doesn't want that like yeah. they are well aware of this and they are they are very careful to make sure that you know they're like sensitive to that yeah. they don't want that at all that's the last thing they want so they don't want Star Wars to be Disneyfied, but you know what, Jim? It was not that long ago that you and I were saying, you know, it's been a while since the acquisition, and I have not seen a product on the shelf that you know a Star Wars product that has the Disney logo or Indicia on it. I haven't seen any real Disney Star Wars connection until last night. You know what I saw? I saw a commercial. For Disney Parks featuring Darth Vader. Have you seen this yet? No, I have not. There is a commercial 
for the Disney parks. I don't know if it was it, probably for Disneyland and Disney World. Um, and I it was I, I fumbled around to try to get to the remote so I could rewind it because I wanted to see it again. And I hit the button to advance the channel. And then that screw you can't rewind once you do that. And I, you know, I went back to the last channel and I couldn't rewind. So but it's out there. There is a commercial for Disney Parks featuring Darth Vader. So um that's really the first post-acquisition um, Disney Star Wars thing that I, that, that I recall seeing. I have Disney Star Wars news. And uh, this comes courtesy of the Disney webpage MiceAge, MiceAge.com. A different look at Disney. And uh, they have a lot of updates about Disneyland. There's been this long-rumored upgrade that's going to be happening to the Tomorrowland section of Disneyland. I'm talking about Disneyland in Anaheim, where we're going to be heading in 2015 for Star Wars Celebration. Just booked our hotel rooms. It's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they're talking about major Star Wars upgrades happening to Tomorrowland. So I have the MySage website here in front of me. And specifically what they're talking about is um, something called the Rocket Jet Spinner and the People Mover Platform. They are going to receive an extreme makeover, according to MySage. A landing pad will create a Star Wars spaceport and that will be part of this makeover. The landing pad will have a spaceship on it, and it will be the Millennium Falcon. It will be an elaborate walkthrough attraction and meet-and-greet location for your favorite Wookiee co-pilot. Of course, they spell Wookiee with one E. All right, wait, wait hold on. Let me stay focused. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're going to see a life-size Millennium Falcon parked there in the middle of Tomorrowland. In addition, as Al John Go from Sorcerer Radio told us, what, last month when he was on the show, that there is going to be an outdoor speeder bike course, and the, the environment will be the Forest Moon of Endor, and an Ewok Village, which will be a walkthrough attraction, and feature dining and shops, and the speeder bike ride will be zooming around it. That sounds incredible, too. And we're still hearing talk of a Moss Isley Cantina restaurant. That's not, I, I'm not seeing that as part of this particular report from MySage.com. But the Millennium Falcon is the big news for me here. Imagine. Walking into Disneyland's Tomorrowland and the focus of the entire area will be a life-size Millennium Falcon. As if you were standing in Docking Bay 94. 94. <laughs> Imagine walking through the Falcon. Yeah, that incredible. Be, incredible. Be, I mean, they've, we've seen various things uh Trying, I believe it was at the uh, Science Meets Imagination exhibit where they had a Millennium Falcon cockpit mocked up that you could go in and you could watch a little movie. 
uh, as yes. though you were flying with the Falcon. Do you recall that, Jim? Uh, yes, it, yes. Uh, but nothing of this scale, of this magnitude. This is this is incredible. But I do want to go back to that Tavis Smiley interview very quickly. Um, and he talks about how uh, he asks J.J. to respond to the fear of Star Wars fans that Star Wars is about to be disney as Tavis says. And J.J. says, no, 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 they, they don't want that. That's, that's the last thing. Uh, that's the last thing Meeson want. Uh, but I would su- I would I'd submit based on what you're finding that maybe Disney's about to get Star Warsified. There you go. There you go. The power of the Force shall rise and smash the mouse. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I love Disney just like everyone else. But um, to settle people's fears of like Star Wars itself, the films themselves becoming Disneyfied. Um, how would you Disneyfy? a Star Wars film. You would feature young, precocious teens uh, speaking very loudly. And, of course, uh, all the adults are idiots. Yeah, yeah. Wearing bright color clothing and right. carrying on. Uh, song and dance routines or... Uh, Definitely song and dance. You'd have like elements of the holiday special now. Like Fantasia yeah. Mickey hanging out in the Moss Eisley <laughs> Cantina. How would you Disney-fy Star Wars? Yeah, I don't yeah. think the people at Disney are so stupid to think that they're going to change Star Wars. I think they're, they're definitely keen on taking the existing blueprint for the wars and modernizing it and bringing it to today's audiences while still maintaining the aesthetic and tradition of the original films. I, th- I really think, you know, I, I don't think I can get in trouble for saying this, but um, some people who are very close to the production have told us this quote that came from J.J. himself. It, maybe it's, I shouldn't say it's a quote, but more of a directive. The directive is J.J. Abrams wants episode seven to feel like you just took Episode six, Return of the Jedi, out of the VHS player, and you just popped in episode seven. He wants it to flow. He wants that aesthetic to be there. He wants the consistency to to remain the same. Am I expecting a retread? No. Am I expecting something that's going to blow us away as we are film goers in the year 2015? Of course. I don't think any uh, modern technology is going to be avoided. I don't think that uh, any of the tools at today's filmmaker's disposal will be pushed aside. But I think there is going to be extreme attention paid to the blueprint of Star Wars and the original look that makes Star Wars what it is. That excites me to hear that coming from behind the scenes, that that's what J.J. wants. He wants it to, to flow seamlessly from episode six into episode seven. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I have no doubt. I think that he certainly wants it to have uh, that same aesthetic. I think that um, he knows that part of the reason that the prequels took on a much glossier, glitzier look is because they were uh, – it was it – was, they were vehicles and they were settings and locations from a, from another time before the strangling of uh, technology and whatnot uh, and supplies uh, at the hands of the Empire. And so clearly episode 7, 8, and 9 would uh, be more of a 
original trilogy vibe than uh, a, a prequel trilogy vibe. So good that there's that awareness. I think that'll make fans uh, very, very happy. Now, we have recently discussed the uh, exploits of one young Jet Lucas uh, out uh, cavorting with the likes of Chris Spice from Sandtroopers.com. Right on. But um, actually, Jet's been making the rounds and uh, showed up. He had a, an interview uh, with uh, FlixandTheCity.com. So they landed this interview with Jet at the uh, London Film and Comic Con this past weekend. And uh, Jet was uh, talking all about episodes 7, 8, 9, casting rumors, JJ, and of course, his famous pop. So we've got some clips from this interview with Jet Lucas. And uh, the first one here we've got, this is um, asking the inevitable question of, will you, Jet Lucas, uh, be involved in uh, Star Wars Episode Seven, here's Jet's response. Maybe, um, if I were to get involved, it would be strictly from a production point of view, as that is where I have, my interests have been drawn. Um, by no pressure from my father whatsoever, he would support me if I wanted to take over the garbage industry. Um, but if, if anything, it'd be on a production side and probably uncredited, just because. Having another Lucas on that is touchy. Mm. Yeah. Uncredited, he's claiming that if if he would have anything to do with it, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think that uh, fans might welcome the the Lucasian touch uh, back in Star Wars, but uh, certainly Jet's probably more aware of the pressures and uh, the fallout from something like that than than, than I am. But I don't know that. Uh, fans would be uh, too upset about that. Um, well, you know, he is a young man just getting involved in the industry. I know he's had some experience doing sound work over at Skywalker Sound. He actually received some credits for some episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Um, he is continuing in a production-level position with the uh, network TV show Chicago Fire, which is, uh, is that the name of the show, Chicago Fire? I don't know, but it's, uh, it annoys me that there's, of course, a Chicago connection to this. Chicago, there always is. Chicago Fire. Lucas's well, so he's here. So uh-huh. he's here in town, and he's working on that show. He said uh, the notorious GL would support him if he wanted to get into the garbage industry. And uh, all I could think is, uh, no, you still got It's the waste management. <laughs> All right. Um, now they ask him about what would he would like to see in the new Star Wars trilogy. What say you, Jet Lucas? What do you want to see? That's a tough question to answer because and to tease you guys more, I already know what happens. Still. <laughs> oh, that can't happen. But I. So I don't know. I'm happy with what's going to happen. Is that an answer? Can that be a thing? Um. I mean, I I, don't know, I would like to see it follow in a new generation. I'm not saying that's what happens. I'm saying that's what I would like. Um, because to me, these next movies are about the next generation, as the prequels are about a new generation, and the uh, originals were for that generation. Um, and so 
I think I think following a new generation and a new group of heroes and villains will. I think that's the right move to make, and I think that's where I'd want it to go. All right. What does he say about the idea of the original cast members? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's pretty telling, though, what he just said about the sequel trilogy. Because he revealed at the very beginning he knows what's going to happen. Right. And then he goes in to say a new generation. Yeah. So, I mean, well, of course, you know, that's a vague answer. Um, But we've heard rumblings and we've heard... Jim, we saw uh, uh, descriptions of characters that have leaked from casting agents, uh, fax machines, and email inboxes. So we know that they're looking for some younger types. Yeah, like Ben Kingsley. <laughs> Poor Ben Kingsley. Poor Ben. Uh, right. Um, or, or, or perhaps, what's, what's the young fellow, the Ryan Gosling? who says that he turned down the, the role of Luke Skywalker's son. Um, I think he was one that was, that was out there. And uh, what are some of the other... There's some other young whippersnappers out there. They're just Their names are escaping me because as soon as you read about it, you hear that it's not true. Yeah. Again, climbing up that rumor spiral. But, um, but, but, but the fact that, you, like you say, the fact that Jet did make that leap in the context of being asked that question, then I think it certainly lends some validity. I, is it going to be Star Wars, the next generation? Perhaps. But who are the offspring? Are we going to see that son of Skywalker? Are we going to see Han and Leia's children? Or are the offspring going to come from probably your eighth or ninth guess <laughs> and see yeah. how that develops. Son you know, of Yoda. <laughs> Yoda's niece. Right. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. or, or, or as, as Billy D would like to see it, Lando's daughter, strong in the force. <sighs> but to see, that's, but that's more the direction I think we might see things happen, where it's going to be a character that you really wouldn't expect. Tarkin's nephew. Would that mean that Lando had to do it with a Jedi? Does it? I don't know. Shmi Skywalker didn't do it with anyone, and she came up with the chosen one. That's true. That's true. But that was, you know, that was divine intervention there, which I guess that's probably what any lady who spent a night with Billy D would say. Divine intervention. Hallelujah. All right. So here's uh, Jet talking about how he feels about the original cast returning. It would be awesome. Like, who doesn't want to see Han Solo cruise through on the Falcon again? Um, but at the same time, maybe he's teaching his son how to drive on it. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, again, it's, it'd be great to see them don the, don the costumes. I, I, would, I would nerd out. Hmm. He's dropping little hints here. Is he, or is he saying things to throw you off the track? I think he's. I, I don't think he's that savvy, and I. And I mean, I just don't think he's that savvy in terms of uh, you know experienced with interviews. I think, and I think he's winking at us a little bit. I don't think he's laying any traps. I think he's uh, dropping some hints, little Easter eggs for us to sniff around. Uh, I don't know. He he might be making. He might be throwing some diversions out there. But he's talking about the son of Han Solo. The right. son of Han Solo learning how to fly the Falcon. 
Yeah. Imagine parallel parking that thing on your driver's test. With Chewy barking at you. <laughs> a lot of pressure. A lot oh, of pressure. Yeah, yeah. But will that son be force sensitive? Will that son be a Jedi? Will that son be Jason Solo? Um, gosh, I'll tell you what. It's going to be a long year and a half as hmm. we wait for this film. Indeed. I mean, it's been long enough just waiting for some details. But uh, We are coming up on the one-year anniversary of the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney and the announcements of the uh, the sequel trilogy. Yeah, We're coming you're up right. on the one-year anniversary. That's right. That's right. I remember like it was yesterday. Um, all right. So we got more. Uh, Jet Lucas here. This is, again... His interview with uh, FlixInTheCity.com. Here he is talking about whether he was surprised to hear his dad say that he was going to sell to Disney. You know, I wasn't only because I knew that he he was very torn on the matter. He wanted to... He, he was like... It was like a kid who had turned 18 and was ready to leave the house. And every parent, I don't know if you're a parent or not, but most every parent I've encountered anyways has wanted to let their children go, but at the same time been like, leave, but I'm going to hold on to you until you actually leave. Um, and so I think that's where he's at with that. I think he's, he's ready to let it go and let it grow. We knew probably a year prior he had started writing and kind of researching and starting his whole little process. Um, and about halfway through that process is when the Disney, the idea of selling to Disney came up. And so that, once those two collided, that's when he kind of sat down and said, okay, I'm going to do this. But he didn't really, he just kind of mentioned it offhandedly like it wasn't a big deal. Like we were eating dinner, or I was eating dinner, I wasn't even with him, he called me. Just like a normal conversation. He's like, asked how he was doing, and he's like, Oh, I started writing it, and I was like, Oh, like, you know, you're a little like whatever you're focusing on now. He's like, No, it's Star Wars and such, and then like moved on. And I was like, Let's back up, let's back up like a sentence. What are you writing now? Um, and so that's when he kind of dropped that bomb, and it was uh, it was nice because he's he's happiest when he's writing and when he's doing something with his time. So there you go. He just sort of, in passing, calls Jet. Jet's having dinner, and he's like, ah, uh, writing Star Wars 7. Uh, did, did the laundry. and uh, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Back it up. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Yeah. Writing Star- Episode 7. That's Star Wars, you say. Yeah. And even his own son is like... What? (laughs) Well, you know, that's a testament. Isn't that a testament to just how uh, amazing this franchise is and how uh, indelible it is that even the son of the creator doesn't tire of it, that isn't just numb to it? And I mean, not only his son, but you look at Katie Lucas, who got involved on a professional level, actually writing episodes of The Clone Wars. It's uh, definitely a family affair. And that's because it... There is something about the story that resonates in all of us, and that's why we connect with it so much. 
it's what you take out of it. And George has said this in the past. You know, people say, well, what is it about Star Wars? What makes Star Wars so magical? And he says, it's what you get out of it. And that's one thing where I, I, I believe in him 100%. It, he's not tap dancing around a question. He's really giving an honest-to-God answer. It's what you get out of it. And it seems like people across the board internationally, there is this this – standard of storytelling and mythology that appeals to something in our inner soul, each and every one of us in star Wars happens to hit those notes along the way. And so that's what makes it such a universal thing and something that you can grow up in like a guy like jet Lucas has and be a young 20 something year old kid who lives in a very cynical world like we all do, but yet he still has a respect and he still has an interest and, dare I say, a passion. When when Jet Lucas says he likes to nerd out on Star Wars, we hear what he's saying. We He's speaking our language. And it's something that he grew up in but never took for granted. And right. that's something that does speak volumes for the the value of the storytelling that goes on in Star Wars. Finally, we've got Jet answering the question I think that's on a lot of our minds is just how involved is George, his father, going to be in Episode 7? He's constantly talking with J.J., and obviously J.J. was handpicked, and he's there, he's there to guide whenever, and he will help where he can, but at the same time, like I said, he wants to let it go and become its new generation with a new generation of a director, like new everything. But he's talking to him all the time. So there you have it. There you have it. Jet Lucas on flicksinthecity.com. The whole interview can be found there. Um, so definitely worth checking out. And uh, Jet, you know, is, is, is uh, making the rounds, is showing up at more shows and wanting to get... Uh, close to the fans, so if you're out at a convention uh, and Jet's there, drop by and say hello and um, show him the love and the support because we want him out there. We want to keep that uh, connection with uh, Star Wars and George Lucas and the Lucas family. Uh, We want to keep that connection going, so show him some love out there on the convention circuit. Harrison Ford apparently was at a uh, film festival. This is the Cinequest Film Festival, where he received the honor of the Maverick Spirit Award. Now, Jim, I don't know how long ago this was. It was very recent, very recent. But they were kind enough to send us some uh, highlights of the event. They wanted Rebel Force Radio listeners to hear Harrison on mic accepting his award and, uh, more importantly, talking about... Uh, some of his uh, incredible career in Hollywood. And um, the question that was proposed to him was, how much does he really have in common with his character, Indiana Jones? I don't know anything about archaeology. I'm not, uh, you know, an intellectual. I'm not an academic. Um, But I know what it feels like uh, to to feel fear. I know what it feels like to to feel triumph. I know uh, how it is uh, to to be wor- working on figuring out something. So I guess um, I'm uh, 
I'm just like Indiana Jones. <laughs> now, uh, nobody asked him about... Uh, um, what... <laughs> I um, don't know much about archaeology. Um, I, uh, of course, um, I, um, uh, George and... Um, Stephen... <laughs> I know what it's like to triumph. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I like that it's just become random words just struck together. Uh, <laughs> it needs to be recharged. Right. <laughs> Callista, plug me in. Yeah. Um, interesting. Um and and big thanks. I don't know who it was exactly that sent that to us, but that uh, that was Cinequest, courtesy of Cinequest. Cinequest sent it to us. That's very nice of them to send us that uh, audio. It's a shame they didn't ask him uh, what he had in common with Han Solo, but you know he might not have gotten as friendly an answer. They did spend a lot of time talking about that famous story where he was working on a door at Francis Ford Coppola's office. Uh huh. On the same day George Lucas was bringing in people to read for Star Wars and kind of how he got involved in that. But that story just went on and on. I was at Francis and working on the, the, the door, <laughs> the hammer, <laughs> nails, and a saw. I mean, it just went on, and on, and on. But I mean, it's worth. I mean, it's it's a great story. I love I love Harrison, and and to hear the story right out of the horse's mouth that that legendary story about sure. how he was doing carpentry at Coppola's office on that day when George started to bring in people to read for Star Wars, and um, I believe also people were coming in to read for. Uh, De Palma's Carrie. I think they were doing a joint audition process. So, mm. uh, you know, uh, Mark Hamill or Cindy Williams or Carrie Fisher would come in and do a reading for Star Wars. And then probably they'd get pulled off into another room with De Palma in there and they'd read for Carrie. And uh, so uh, De Palma and uh, George picked from the, the, the group of actors that they brought in, which was somewhere around the number of, you know, three, four hundred people. According to what Harrison says, he says he read Star Wars, an early version of the Star Wars script with about 300 actors before the casting decisions were finally made. And he fell into the role. He literally fell into the role. You know, someone else that has uh, their own take on Harrison Ford and his uh, uh, landing the role of Han Solo is James Kahn. James Kahn, of course, legendary actor from The Godfather and Elf um, was recently... <laughs> you got to throw an Elf, right? I mean... I, I just, no, he, okay, he's great in Elf. Elf he is, is great in Elf. Elf is a great movie. Eh, don't tell my son what to do. Um, that's, that's my James Conn from Elf. All right, so he was on Howard Stern recently and was talking about some of the, the, the film roles that he's actually passed up. Uh, Superman was one of them. I'm assuming he doesn't. He wasn't actually the character of Superman, was it? 
totally I, wrong uh, for the part. Maybe Lex Luthor. I mean, we'll have to listen to the interview. Here it is. Here's a clip of of uh, James Caan on the Howard Stern show talking about the roles he passed up on and then has a little something to say about Harrison Ford. I look at the movies that you turned down. You ready? Here, listen to this. Listen to this list of movies. See, you this isn't down. nice. I'll tell you All why. Right, well, wait a second. Star Wars. Well, who the? F- Did you turn that down? They didn't want an actor. That's why they got Harrison Ford. Oh, oh interesting. Oh. Not a fan. No, no, no. At the time, he was absolutely mediocre. <laughs> and, and, and he didn't, want, he, anybody to distract. He, he didn't <laughs> want anybody to distract from his prowess, Georgie. Has he gotten any better? Uh, I, I don't know. Harrison I don't Ford? go to his movie. He's you got a little more arrogant, apparently. Is that right? Why don't you like Harrison Ford? Is there a I don't dislike thing? him. He did something with me. He's fine. What did he do? He called me the wrong name or something. Mm. What did he call you? John. Oh, you mean he didn't know your name, and he goes, oh, no, of John. course he knew who my name was, but um, see, he was one of my little extras in one of my movies. Oh, I see. Uh, and he wasn't even good at that. Wow. No. So when you went to see Star Wars. What did you get me now? You got me all worked <laughs> up. You know, I'm sorry. You're never going to get Jimmy on this front. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, Jackie Zito walked me but in. But why are you, why are you, why, let, let, like the thing with Harrison Ford is. I don't have a thing with Harrison Ford. You just don't think he's a very good actor. He's not in your league. <laughs> Let, let, you see, no, 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 now you're making it sound no, like asking. a proper statement. I didn't say in my well, league. Well, you said he's There's nobody in my league. He said, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. well, that, that's pretty Don't true. make me sound pompous. Listen to what you turned down. Star Wars. Close I didn't turn down Star Wars. You didn't? But go ahead. Okay. I didn't Close do it. Encounters of the Third Kind. Didn't do it. Didn't turn it down. Or okay. maybe I did. I don't remember. <laughs> a strong words about Harrison Ford Very right there. Very strong words. Very From Jimmy strong Jimmy Kahn. Uh, Johnny... Johnny Cohen. <laughs> Mediocre. Godfather and elf. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait till Jim Con sees uh, Harrison Ford in Anchorman 2. I think he might just change his tune. We'll see. But uh, I love Jimmy Con in uh, Honeymoon in Vegas. Great part for Jim uh, James Con. Um it's sad. I th- these are two movie legend heroes of mine. I wish they wish they got along. But that is kind of rude if, if Harrison... You know, chances are Harrison was just, you know, high on weed. And he, so he looked at him and he thought, John, who knows? Well, he says, I'm um, arrogant. I'm, and uh, he's um, spending all of his time at the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> Rebel Force Radio. Star Wars! Nothing but Star Wars! Your source for the Force. All right. Hey, you know what? Before we get um, wrapping this bad boy up, I do want to stop and thank our sponsor for this week. They are back. Our good friends at DorksideToys.com. The uh, things went so well for them that they are back here with us on Rebel Force Radio. So uh, if you're following the releases from Hasbro, the second wave of the new Black Series is now out. This is the three and three quarter inch line. So uh, if you're a EU fan, you might want to check out. They've got a Mara Jade figure, which is actually really great looking action figure. Pablo Jill's also in there. Plus uh, episode two era Anakin Skywalker and a whole lot more. All available at DorksideToys.com. Plus a bunch of vintage Stuff still remains. 
the the six inch figures, the comic pack figures, and the big gentle giant jumbo Kenner. I guess we wouldn't call them a knockoff tribute figures. We'd say uh, available there. So make sure that you're checking them out at DorksideToys.com. That's DorksideToys.com. Let them know that Rebel Force Radio sent you. Follow them on Twitter at Dorkside Toys. Hey, you know, uh, I just got a shipment from Dorkside. It was that Mara Jade figure you speak of. And um, it's kind of interesting. It's uh, the Black Series, the Black Series. And I got to say, for starters, the figure showed up completely mint, awesome condition on the card. The problem with the Black Series is the bubbles do not adhere solidly to the glossy black stock, card stock. And so you see these scenes happening in Target or Walmart or Toys R Us where figures are just sitting there on the floor outside of the bubble, outside of the card. They just fall right off the the card. It's the craziest thing. I've never seen this in 30-plus years of Star Wars action figure collecting. I thought, well, maybe Jason, young Jason was here looking for the catalog. (laughs) Ripped open everything. (laughs) But, I mean, it's it's the craziest thing. So, so Dorkside, they deliver this marriage aid figure to me, and it's just in perfect condition. And, uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me anyway. I'm going to rip the thing off the card. But I got to say, the hair on this action figure, the way it's been sculpted, it looks like somebody dumped a plate of Chef Boyardee on her head. She looks like she's got spaghetti hair. Really? Yeah. It's it's, it's the craziest looking figure that I've ever seen as far as the hairstyle goes. It's it's too much prowl maybe she uses. (laughs) I don't know what her deal is. But yakface.com offers this great quick fix. You pick up a Marvel Universe Black Widow figure from Toys R Us, and you swap it. You just pop the head off the Mara Jade, and you put this on there, and it looks like, to me, a better sculpt of the character Mara Jade than old Spaghetti Head. Actually, the spaghetti head isn't that bad. I'm thinking about doing this this head swap, though, with the Marvel Black Widow action figure. So I'm going to probably order another Mara Jade from Dorkside Toys and then hunt down the uh, Black Widow. Or maybe even Dorkside will get the Black Widow figure in. And it's just a pop it on. Boom, there it is. But that's a quick fix suggested by Yakface. And... Uh, I suggest it. I suggest it. Pick up that Mary Jade figure and swap the head. Swap the head. Swap a Rama. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a couple other figures I'm uh, expecting from uh, Dorkside as well. This Pablo Jill Black Series figure. Uh, I missed that. That actually came out a few years ago. This is a new sculpt, I think, mostly. And uh, the figure was very hard to find when it first came out. But Hasbro is re-releasing it as part of the do- Dork... <laughs> <laughs> the um, Black Series action figure line. All right. So thank you very much, DorksideToys.com. A major prize, a major prize. I won, I won, I won. Yes. The Parsec Awards. We've got them. Um, I've got mine sitting here on the uh, on the console. 
here in the Palatial Rebel Force Radio Studios. Uh, Jim, I, I don't know if yours has found a place of honor yet. I, it, it did. I actually put it right next to our Adam Film Star Wars Fan Film Award. I did the same thing. Yeah, we got trophy cases now. <laughs> this is fantastic. So, yes, we uh, did receive the uh, Parsec Award trophy for uh, uh, best speculative fan fiction or news podcast, parentheses, specific. Yes. Hey, look at that. I said that right off the top of my head, too. I didn't even have that in front of me. But it, it's such an honor, I memorized it. But they, we did get cool trophies, so you can uh, see the pictures on our Facebook page as soon as Jason takes a picture of himself with the trophy. I, I'm going to do it right now. Do it right now. Do I'm a selfie. Gonna, I'm going to do a selfie. Hold on. Uh, do see. a selfie. And then we'll, uh, you, you send that to me, and we'll put up a little uh, album. Album. That's, uh, this is a, a major prize, a major prize. It's a major award. All right, hold on a second. Let me see. Get some light here. Yeah, the lighting has to be just right. So all your dimples will be uh, prominently uh, obvious. I, I look dorky with the headphones on. Hold on, I got to take these off. <laughs> you know that's a that's a blessing and a curse right there. The old headphone head. It's uh, something of a occupational hazard. If uh, you've been podcasting as long as we have, your hair sort of your whole head just actually kind of gets indented with the headphones after a while. Well, so I've got the I've got the the. The Stormtrooper uh, headphones from, I forget who makes these, Mezco or something like that. Anyway, they're the, they're the Stormtrooper headphones. I had to have official Star Wars headphones. Um, all right, this is a picture. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to send this to you right now. So I've got my photo, so you don't have to worry about me not sending this. Fabulous. So that'll be uh, Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. And, uh, hey, we just reached 5,000 likes. It took us 10 months to get there. And uh, we just want to express our gratitude to our Rebel Force Radio listening audience for showing us such great support. And, uh, of course, we want 7,000 by Celebration 7. No, 7,000 by Episode 7. So uh, let's just leave. Oh, it we're there. there. We're there. We've done. That. I'd like to think so. If yeah. we can pull in five k in one ten month period, we should be able to uh, reach it. And I think it's it's really important that you guys understand that when we post things about show releases and we have that link there, that you guys spread the word on Twitter and Facebook or anywhere you do social networking because that's what we rely on the most to help this show reach the largest audience of star Wars fans we can reach uh, is uh, we require word of mouth in a big way. And uh, you guys help us each and every week when you retweet our posts or you click like, or you leave us iTunes reviews, which leads us to the final Kenobi keychain giveaway. That's right. Uh, courtesy of, <laughs> Good folks. I mean, I just, I love this thing so much. This is one. It's of the so obnoxious. I just <laughs> love how obnoxious it is. What are you saying? <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's, uh, I've been carrying these things around in my computer bag and uh, boy, oh boy, they'll just go off at the weirdest times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> elevators. <laughs> app rides. And you got to look around like you don't know where it came from. Uh, it's what a the hell was that? Real conversation, sir. Yeah. So um, we have one keychain left to give away, and listeners became eligible. If you guys 
tuned into our Kenobi roundtable that we released a couple weeks ago. You you heard how to become eligible for this giveaway. All you had to do was just leave us an iTunes review. That's all you had to do. It didn't even have to be good. But uh, Delray Random House, they gave us these keychains, and we have one left. We want to give it away to someone who left us an iTunes review because, again, that's another way to spread the word about Rebel Force Radio. The more reviews we get on iTunes, obviously, that helps more people actually see the show. And uh, we have a winner chosen by Random. Uh, This is Tim Otter. Tim Otter leaves us a review titled Utini. <laughs> Tim says, I'm an ad Tim says, I'm an avid podcast listener. Rebel Force Radio is by far my favorite. Every show is interesting and engaging. I learn something new every time I listen, and each episode makes me an even bigger fan of the wars. I've even helped my wife become a regular Star Wars fan. And we just welcomed a little fan baby into the family a month ago. I can't watch the saga with him, but someday I will. Thanks to all the great information and entertainment, Jason and Jimmy. Well, congratulations, Tim. You're our big winner. And uh, congratulations on the new addition to the family, too. And, um, you know, don't wait. Don't wait to watch the saga with your son. Uh, I think Kyle um, had a the first screening was in the maternity ward, I believe uh, the night his son was born. Uh, was the man what? Oh yeah, the Mando Mercs were there. <laughs> really? No. Well, I let's not jump to conclusions now. He has not denied it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an episode seven rumor. Uh, yeah, but uh, no, I know Kyle is going to love bringing up James Knight as a fan of the wars. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of gratification when you are able to sh- share Star Wars with your kids. And uh, it's getting easier and easier nowadays to do that because, you know what, a lot of times they just discover it on their own. And the next thing you know, they're turning you on to new Star Wars things you never knew anything about. So that's the fun thing about being a Star Wars fan in the year 2013. And we certainly have, gosh, another dozen years of hardcore Star Wars activity to be looking forward to. And once that 12 year period is over with, uh, who's to say it's going to slow down at all. So who's to say, who's going to say, who's to say, how, uh, you know what? We should do this. We should do this Billy D thing. Absolutely. What is an episode of Rebel Force Radio without a little Billy D? This is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. Hello, what have we here? It's just me, Billy D. And don't mess this up, man. Be smooth. Lando's right. Billy D. Sorry, baby. It's just business. Why, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. Works every time. And Lando Calrissian is forever. (laughs) (laughs) This uh, Billy D. quote of the week seems to really combine two of Jimmy Mack's greatest pleasures. Billy D. Williams and his obsession with the voice of Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. Well, I don't know if I would call that an obsession. <laughs> well, you certainly do it wherever you get a, <laughs> an appropriate moment, even an inappropriate moment. 
usually fueled by Guinness. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, Jason, but it's become a really popular thing now on YouTube to take scenes from Star Wars, specifically those featuring Darth Vader, and to redub the voice with other famous lines of dialogue from other movies that have nothing to do with Star Wars. You can go online and find Arnold Schwarzenegger voicing Darth Vader or uh, even James Earl Jones, but the dialogue is from Lion King and not Star Wars. Now, that's a trip. But the latest one I discovered was Darth Vader with Bane's voice, a YouTube video by Perry Hotter, and uh, Perry put together uh, some great scenes uh, from Empire Strikes Back where Vader's dialogue is replaced with that of Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. Tom Hardy, actor Tom Hardy, is Darth Vader. And uh, I was uh, just a big fan of this particular clip. Uh, This features Lando, thus making it appropriate for the Billy D quote of the week. Lando on Cloud City talking with Bane. That's right. Empire Strikes Back, you've never heard before. Billy D. Williams and Tom Hardy at Cloud City. Lord Vader, what about Leia and the Wookiee? Take them up to the surface. People of their status deserve to experience the next era of Western civilization. That was never a condition of our agreement, nor was giving hand to this bounty hunter. You panicked, and you brought him down here. Your weakness has cost the lives of three others. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's surprisingly effective. It really is. It really is. It's not that. It's not that crazy. Even in audio form, it's uh, it, it really comes across as is working. And uh, I so I suggest you check out the video so you get the uh, visual. But that's uh, Darth Vader with Bane's voice YouTube video by Perry Hotter. Great job, Perry. And that's your Billy D quote of the week. Would you get going, you pirate? What a show. What a show. Big thanks to our sponsor this week, DorksideToys.com. Make sure you visit them on the web at DorksideToys.com and on Twitter at DorksideToys. If you would like to participate with us in between shows, you can do so. You can send us an email, show at RebelForceRadio.com. That's show at RebelForceRadio.com, the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave us one, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. We are on Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, and at Jason Swank. So check it out there. In the Facebook page, breaking stories and fostering great conversation all across Star Wars fandom. That's at Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. iTunes, a great place to subscribe and review Rebel Force Radio Podcast and all the podcasts. Part of the Shot Glass Digital Network at shotglassdigital.com, but iTunes is your catcher, your pod catcher. 
if you'd like to. Leave us a review. We only have one rule. Make it good. And the official website for Rebel Force Radio, rebelforceradio.com. As I said, we are a proud member of the Shot Glass Digital Empire of Shows, which includes, of course, Rebel Force Radio, Bondcast, Techno Retro Dads, Tron Decoding the Grid, Snyder Marks Radio, ADH Divas, Black Hawk Talk, and more shows coming soon. As a matter of fact, we just recorded part one of our look at Thunderball. That'll be coming very soon. Shot Glass is also on Facebook at facebook.com slash shotglassdigital. That's going to do it for us for Rebel Force Radio this week. We'll see you next time, guys. Love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mag. <laughs> and remember, the Force will be with you always. Noxious.